Hey, friends! I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets that are important to you. You're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this podcast, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is, if you love the show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself, or the reader in your life, some excellent fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of ten novels that range in genre from character-driven literary fiction to horror and even crime. All ten of my stories are currently available worldwide in both ebook and paperback formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, fear not. You can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 276 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Oh, we're going to get spooky. Oh, it's it's April, but there's never a bad time to get a little spooky, is there? Are you scared? <laughs> Don't be scared. You're with me. And we're together. And we're moving through time. Second by second, into the future. It's exciting. Let's go. They'll never get it. They'll never understand. Don't even, don't even try to let them in on this thing. What are they listening to? Take a look at what's popular. <laughs> They're wrong. We're right. back out of this thing. Hang on. I love it. But I got business. I got show to do. That was Ghost, by the way. That was their song, Spirit. I dug up that CD last week. I bought it, I think, probably less than a year ago. Maybe it was like last fall found it at a Goodwill, believe it or not. <laughs> Probably like the newest CD at a Goodwill. <laughs> a CD from 2015. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you see a lot of, you see a lot of different music at a Goodwill, obviously. You're, you know, it's the entire community contributing to this. But uh, it's rare that you'll find something that new. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I've I've seen this band's music videos and I've heard a song or two of theirs. Oh, it's worth giving this a shot. And I did. And it's okay. It's all right. You know, uh, it's funny, though. Like, you look at the band's imagery, 
And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these guys in Ghost. They used to dress in kind of like, um, I guess you call them like, like, like religious type outfits, but you know, like very, you know, like dark, long black robes. And they'd wear like um, bishops hats <laughs> and have like uh, skeletal face makeup. And uh, you could tell they kind of had a sense of humor in their music videos. They were pretty funny because there'd be like little vignettes or, you know, little, um, uh, little, uh, little, little, uh, little acting out, acted out parts at the very beginning. And then they kind of changed where they were not so much dressing as satanic priests, but uh, they looked more like... Um, they looked more like those uh, those uh, spooky fellas in that movie, uh, shoot, that Kubrick one, the last one, Eyes Wide Shut. You remember when Tom Cruise finds a way into that that clandestine sex party, or whatever that was, <laughs> and there's all those weirdos in, uh, in those creepy masks. That's what ghosts were wearing. But you could tell they have a sense of humor. A lot of metal bands, I think metal bands need to have a sense of humor. But I can only count maybe maybe a handful that have a sense of humor. You got Ghost. You got Tenacious D. They're metal. Don't tell me they're not. Yeah, it's funny, but it's metal. Uh, the Darkness. Yeah. The Darkness have a great sense of humor. You know, they, they, they are not taking themselves too seriously. Justin Hawkins is so funny. And his voice is so amazing. Andrew W.K., there's a metal guy with a sense of humor. Totally, right? I mean, if you're if you're going to play heavy metal and not have a sense of humor, you you got to be amazing. You got to be like Black Sabbath level good, right? Metallica, no sense of humor. <laughs> but, you know, excellent aesthetics. So, well, some may say excellent aesthetics. I mean, you, you can you can tell they've got a look. The band has a look. Their iconography is very identifiable. And, uh, yeah, but not funny at all. They might be funny guys, I don't know. They weren't funny in that documentary. They just seemed like angry jerks. <laughs> all of them, very dislike dislikable. Except for that one fella. I forget his name there. The one without any facial hair. <laughs> oh, wait, there's two without facial hair. Shoot. The one with the curly brown hair who plays the guitar. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I don't remember his name. But yeah, he, he, he was always the one in that uh, in that documentary that was like, come on, guys, can't we just get along and play? I just want to play. <laughs> you really felt for him. I was like, poor, poor Kirk. Yeah, that was it. Kirk Hammett. Yeah. And the other guys were all like, you know, skulking around. Throwing things around the studio. <laughs> what ultimately came of that? What was it? Saint Anger? That awful album, <laughs> like their worst album. Can you imagine all this build up? Like, oh, we're gonna retool the whole band. We're gonna bring a psychologist in or a psychiatrist, whatever the hell that guy was, and and then you know they're going through therapy and they're working everything out. And the cameras are rolling and they put this amazing, uh, well, I say amazing documentary. But how many other like metal bands have made like a documentary about like you know getting into therapy? None, right? So I guess amazing in the way that it was like unlike anything else anybody had ever done. But then what comes out of it is this terrible album, like, <laughs> like, their worst album, 
<laughs> Saint Anger. It's a shame because they could have had like imagine like if they'd had all this build up and they'd had like the therapist in there and they weren't getting along and they were able to pull them pull themselves out of this this rut that they were in and get along with each other and then put out like a masterpiece. That would have been incredible, right? Instead we got Saint Anger. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so if you're going to be in a metal band, I think it's important to have a sense of humor. But if you're not, you better be Cracker Jack. <laughs> and by that I mean, like, you better be, like, amazing. You know what I mean? Because you're going to look pretty silly if you're standing up there in a codpiece and tights. <laughs> you know. And you got to... You're playing a guitar that looks like a great... Like a tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not smiling or having any fun trying to make people feel your pain, man. You're going to look silly. I hope uh I hope Taylor Swift meets a nice guy and falls in love. I really do. Is that a weird segue? Yes. <laughs> it is, without a doubt. But uh you know, every time this uh this uh, singer-songwriter Taylor Swift uh, it falls out of love with a fella, or it just doesn't work out. Whatever happens, because we we never get the details. I don't listen to her songs. Evidently, supposedly she's writing songs about these these relationships and whatnot. I but I don't listen to her her music, so I wouldn't know. But um, supposedly, you know, supposedly uh, the, these this is just not working out between her and these fellas. And there's there's been twelve. I I was curious, and I genuinely felt like bad for her. You know what I mean? Like this. It's got to be hard to go through that again and again and again, you know? I'm very fortunate. I, I've been with the same person for just about half my life at this point, you know? I've been married since since uh, 2000. Shoot, it'll be 23 years this November, you know? I'm very, very fortunate. But because I am not going in and out of relationships, the one thing I, I avoid is the pain that comes with that. And I'm sure there's tre tremendous pain. But uh, it's easy to forget, you know, if you're not if you're not in it. And I hope I hope Taylor Swift meets a meets a, a nice fella. I really do. And she seems to she seems to date a lot of high profile people. And and maybe 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 <laughs> maybe what she needs to do is shoot. Look at this. I could say shoot shoot lower. <laughs> That's not nice though. Okay, aim lower. No. What I'm saying is, and, and I'm not trying to say that that to find, you know, somebody beneath her stature. I'm saying that there's nice people everywhere, you know. She's dating uh, actors or has dated actors, high-profile musicians, you know. How about, how about some guy at a coffee shop? You know what I mean? Some guy who's just like a, a, a barista or something. Or maybe just, how about this, Taylor? How about, like, a guy that owns, like... Uh, uh, a chain of like like niche coffee shops or something like that because you know th that means he's kind of you know he's successful he's well to he's somewhat well to do he's out and about you know but he's just you know maybe he just needs to find uh, the right person and maybe you're the right person Taylor Swift <laughs> I'm just saying consider it because it's not working out with these fellas with the Jake Gyllenhaals and the uh, Eddie Redmaynes and the Hayley Styles it's the Taylor Lautner 
<laughs> John Mayer. Might I go on? Should I go on? No. It's not working out. Hey, uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, you want to hear something funny? It's it's funny in retrospect. Um, this this woman uh, posted this video of her at a Taylor Swift concert at in tickets in seats that she paid supposedly two thousand dollars for. And by the way, the seats aren't even that good. It's it's like if. As she said, she paid $2,000 for these tickets. Uh, she's looking at the screen, basically. That's all she's getting. But she's hearing this. This is, this is, this is so, so sad. Okay, imagine you're at a Taylor Swift concert, and this is what you, you're near. about that huh oh god can you imagine you're near somebody and that's what you hear for like what what how long is the performance maybe 65 70 minutes and then there's an encore oh i don't know what i do you know what i'd rather hear i'll tell you what i'd rather hear listen to this You know that's been going through my head like at least once every single day since I was like seven years old, <laughs> and it just showed up on TikTok, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> with the video and everything. You might you might be too too young to remember the Bloodhound Gang. It was like the segment on a PBS show called Three Two One Contact, where it was this group of of young people who solved crimes, and it was like this. This series, basically, like, embedded in the 321 Contact program. And I don't even remember what 321 Contact was about. I sort of remember the theme song. It was like, Contact is the meh, meh, ba, do, da, do, 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 da, da, do, da, do. I don't even remember that. But I remember this. Okay, I won't do it again. <laughs> it is fun, though. Maybe it's embedded in your mind now. The Bloodhound Gang. I couldn't tell you what it was about. I think I was probably too young to understand. I just loved the theme song. <laughs> and it was like such a short little segment within the program that the theme song, uh, you know, made up a, a good portion of the, the, uh, of the segment. <laughs> There'd be some dialogue and some like running around, but uh, but other than that, it was like I wasn't necessarily interested in that. I think I was just I just liked the opening montage and the theme song. Um, we still got TikTok, guys. It hasn't disappeared yet. Are we lucky? I don't know. You might argue that we're lucky. Don't argue. What's the point in arguing? Bloodhound Gang. Should we talk about how awful Netflix movies look? Oof. I can't watch anything that's, like, Netflix-made. I, I, I think I'm the only one in the world with this problem. 
people seem to like love these Netflix series. I heard about this this new this new series. What is it called? Feud? Beef. It's called Beef. And I was like, okay, I'll try to watch that. No. I was out I was out in like five minutes. I was like, forget this. You know why? It's cause like every Netflix show has like this kind of like gauzy look to it and the aesthetics just don't appeal to me it's just kind of like gauzy and you know the backgrounds are always blurred but there's like pretty colors kind of melding into one another even whether whether like a character is inside or outside but i just hate the aesthetic i hate the look i couldn't watch it and i love the people in it i love ali wong i love steven yen i love those people I've seen them in other things. I remember seeing the fella in uh, uh, Walking Dead, the first season, which I think was the only season I watched. <laughs> and Ali Wong is tremendous. I love her comedy. But uh, yeah, no, I just, I hate, I hate the look of it. And it's weird because I think, like Donald Glover's show, Atlanta, kind of has the same look. But for some reason, I can tolerate it. And I, I think maybe it's me. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because the stories are that good and the acting is that good. Maybe. And this isn't to slight any Netflix people. But usually in those Netflix series or those Netflix movies, you get like one or two very good actors and then everybody else is kind of so-so, you know. But uh, for whatever reason, the aesthetics just turn me off. It's like the same reason why I can't watch The Matrix. It's green. It's like literally green. It looks awful. You know? Terrible. You remember like, I remember seeing like The Hunt for Red October when I was a little kid. My dad took me to see that because he loves like espionage stuff. I don't know if you remember this movie. It started young Alec Baldwin. Sean Connery was in it. It was a submarine movie. And, uh, and I saw it in this crowded theater with my father, and it was really hot in the theater, and the whole damn movie takes place on, like, submarines, so it's like, you feel really, like, cloistered, you know? And, and everything was red. It was, like, all red and black. You know, like, this, you know, all the, the, the coloring of the, 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 the movie was red and black. I don't know why I'm so sensitive to those kinds of aesthetics, you know, like, film aesthetics. Oh, it's just the way I am. <sighs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. At this point in the program, I'm going to hand things over to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I heard from some of my fellow Dave Barry readers, which was fun. I also want to send a special thanks to Tavy and Bob Sellers for sharing People Are the Enemy on their social medias. It really means a lot. Two weeks ago, the 70s chart was from March 30th of 1974. At number 82, there's a cover of Summer Breeze by the Isley Brothers. That would make it to number 60. This is from their album 3 Plus 3, referring to the three original members now being joined by the two younger brothers and their brother-in-law. And that was, of course, the subset that would go on to do the Isley Jasper Isley spinoff we talked about a couple weeks ago. I, it's interesting to hear what they did with the song. I feel like I still like the original better, but I like their take on it as well. And I'm curious if they were inspired to... There's a few other covers on 3 Plus 3, if that was inspired by the success of Giving It Back in 71. 
At number 72 is She's Gone by Daryl Hall and John Oates. This was the third single that the duo released, and it was the first to chart. It only made it to number 60 this time out. And this was um, from that second album called Abandoned Luncheonette. And I read up a lot about the cover art from that one. It's a photo of the old Rosedale Diner from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, which had been moved to an empty field near Kenworth, Pennsylvania. And the building actually stayed up until 83, until it was eventually had to be torn down. The photograph was done by Barbara Wilson. They had snuck into the building to take the back cover photo. And apparently there's some crazy video for this song that was to be played on a, a dance show that really never saw the light of day until John Oates leaked it himself in the YouTube era. So after Sarah Smile was a hit in 76, this single, She's Gone, and album were re-released and the single went on to hit number seven. And there are also notable covers from the family group Tavares, which made it to number one on the R&B chart and number 50 on the pop side, and also Lou Rawls, who hit 81 on the R&B chart, and those are both in 74. Two weeks ago, the 80s chart was April 5th of 1986, and at number 95, we had Anne Murray with her song Now and Forever, in parentheses, You and Me. That made it to number 92. It was Anne Murray's final Hot 100 appearance. It also made it to number seven on the Adult Contemporary, and it was a number one country hit. And I learned on Wikipedia that this was the last number one on the U.S. country chart by a non-American until 1995, when the streak was broken by a fellow Canadian female singer, Shania Twain, with her song Any Man of Mine. At number 84 is Shot in the Dark by Ozzy Osbourne. That would make it to number 68. And I mentioned it because it was the first, first chart appearance, solo chart appearance for Ozzy. It was the first single off of his fourth solo album, The Ultimate Sin. And so even though he had these huge songs since Crazy Train in 1980, this was the first that actually made it on the Hot 100. In total, he had four singles reach the chart and also twice with Black Sabbath. I couldn't find anything readily available saying why Ozzy finally made it onto the U.S. pop chart with this one. So if anyone knows, I would be curious to learn. At number 56 is a group called Honeymoon Suite with their song Feel It Again. That made it to number 34. That was the second single off of their second album, The Big Prize. And they were a Canadian band from Niagara Falls. And so their name is referencing that city's uh, status as a historic honeymoon destination. This is their only top 40 U.S. hit, but they had four total Hot 100 appearances. And they were more successful in Canada, and they are still active. They had released singles in 2019 and 2020. Uh, so coming up, we have two musical questions representing a new direction for two different acts. And number 21 is What Have You Done For Me Lately by Janet Jackson. This was the first single off of her third album, Control. And it was the first one done without her father's involvement. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were the producers on this one. And she also uh, fired her father as manager and hired John McClain. The lyrics to this song were written by Janet herself and represent her divorce slash annulment from James DeBarge. I really recommend watching the video for this one. The choreography was done by Paula Abdul and Larry Hankin, one of my favorite Hey It's That Guy guys, plays a diner chef. And then the other one in that same vein is at number 16, Why Can't This Be Love by Van Halen. This was the first single off of their seventh studio album, but it was the first with Sammy Hagar. And it made it to number eight, nearly equaling their previous chart peak of number seven for Jump. 
Personally, this was a song that made me give Van Hagar a chance, uh, not in 86, uh, but in the early 2000s. The 70s chart from this week was April 3rd of 1976. At number 71 is Love Really Hurts Without You by Billy Ocean. That made it to number 22. This was the first charting single for Billy, who had released a few other singles under his real name, Les Charles. This is a number two hit in the UK, and it was the only US pop chart appearance of the 70s for Billy Ocean. It had a few other singles landed on the US R&B charts. He finally returned to the Hot 100 in 1984 with Caribbean Queen. At number 53 is a song called Can't Hide Love by Earth, Wind & Fire, and that made it to number 39. And this was one of several new studio tracks for the double live album Gratitude. And I learned that the song was originally done by a group called Creative Source in 1973. Thinking about like the hits of Earth, Wind & Fire, it's a little bit of a different sound for them. I really like the, the horn stabs and the phrasing overall. At number 31 is Lorelei by Styx. That will make it to number 27 and a number six hit in Canada. This was the first single off of their 1975 album Equinox, which was their first for A&M, where they got signed after the success of Lady in 74 and 75. And I looked it up and I learned that Lorelei was a rock in the German River Rhine, as well as a mythological creature, character. Um, and of course, it's a woman's name. And there's more songs called Lorelei than you could ever guess by a variety of wide variety of artists. At number 18 is Fooled Around and Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop. Now make it to number three. Elvin Bishop is a blues legend and kind of a guitar legend in general. This was his only top 40 appearance. And he is a vocalist as well as a guitarist, but he wanted a different singer for this track so that he, Mickey Thomas was the lead singer. His work with Elvin Bishop got him the gig in Jefferson Starship. And Elvin Bishop had four other appearances on the Hot 100 and they were all in the mid 70s. I've been a fan of this one for a long time and it's a great one to sing along to in the car. Turning to the 80s, we have a chart from April 10th of 1982. At number 61 is the song Fantasy by Aldo Nova. That would make it to number three. Aldo Nova is a Canadian singer, multi-instrumentalist, and producer. He's the son of Italian immigrants who settled in Montreal. This was the first single off of his self-titled solo debut, and it was the only top 40 appearance for Aldo Nova in US and Canada. And I learned that he's also a successful songwriter and producer for other artists, including fellow Canadian Celine Dion, and he actually won a Grammy as one of the producers of her 1996 album, Falling Into You. I learned that he's back to putting out his own music in the 2020s, which is great. I always love when I can end one of these little blurbs with, and they're still active in music. And I have to admit, for a long time, I didn't know this was a guy. I thought it was a band. And I will always remember uh, the best show, Jason Gore saying, all throughout the month of Aldo November. So I don't know if that's uh, transferred over to the Hawk or not. But if you love this kind of music, I would say also check out his podcast of the radio, fake radio station, The Hawk. And uh, 1982 chart is kind of interesting. In the, they have In the top 40 alone, there's two of the medley songs, part of the medley craze, and then three considering the entire uh, Hot 100. And to marry the special segment, you know, the episode just focusing on those is coming, but I think it's going to be a lot of work, so I'm kind of putting it off. 
Uh, we also have two novelty songs, uh, Take Off by Bob and Doug McKenzie, the characters portrayed by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas on the SCTV show. This is a very Canadian-heavy uh, chart chat. And Getty Lee, of course, also sings on that. That was at number 19. And then Pac-Man Fever is at number 11. Um, we also have uh, Chariots of Fire you know, from a movie. And then we have a TV theme, uh, Magnum P.I. by Mike Post with guitar solo from Larry Carlton. I think the theme is definitely better than the whole song. You don't need the rest of it. The theme is so good. Uh, this was at number 36 this week on its way to a peak of number 25. That was the final Hot 100 appearance for Mike Post, although the L.A. Law theme did hit the adult contemporary charts. And it's always bummed me out that they didn't release the Law & Order theme as a single. I think it could have been a hit. The only thing I regret more than that is not asking the band at my brother's wedding to play the Magnum P.I. theme to surprise him. That would have been fun. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff. This has been episode 276 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.